to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Leading under pressure is a whole different way of thinking. Many of us are good leaders in kind of our natural environment, natural situations. But when we are forced to lead under pressure, it oftentimes changes our way of thinking. You know, we kind of kick into a, a, a fight, flight, or freeze uh, mechanism, and, and it's just a different way of thinking. It's a different way of handling a situation and addressing the stress when we have to lead under any type of pressure, whether that be uh, a challenging meeting, a difficult conversation, whatever the case may be, leading under pressure is a skill in and of itself that has to be developed. And it's a difficult thing to develop because it's not a natural state that we are in all the time, at least in most environments. Uh, today's guest on the show is an expert in this, and um, he's with the Institute for Health and Human Potential. And uh, he's a best-selling author and an expert in um, the, the skills of leading under pressure. And uh, there's, there's a lot of great information that we unpack about leadership and uh, leading by example and you know, being the type of leader that people want to follow that we're going to talk about today. But, but we really dive deep into this idea of how to lead under pressure and how to, how to develop these skills. So pay special attention to that because the way that you lead under pressure oftentimes defines your leadership ability, your leadership style, and your leadership potential. Uh, oftentimes, people are not going to remember and think about the way that you're leading under normal everyday circumstances. But when pressure hits, when the challenge is in front of you, the way that you think, the way that you lead, and the decisions that you make in those moments are often the ones that are going to, going to, going to leave an impression on people, and they will define who you are as a leader. Uh, as always, I'd really love for you to hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. Um, also, if you have a comment for us, we'd love to hear it and a review. Uh, you can leave that on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions or you'd like some more information uh, or if there's a specific topic that you'd like to hear about, please feel free to email us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Thanks and have an amazing day. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast, and I'm very excited to bring you some great information on leadership, you know, small uh, business leaders and as people that are kind of struggling to figure out how we navigate the waters of our personnel, um, knowing how to lead people properly and um, uh, how to develop and invest in those around us is a key skill. And uh, one of the things that makes it even more challenging is when we are under pressure, uh, when, when all of a sudden um, uh, the, the challenges of work and life and, and, um, and kids and everything happening around us put us into more pressure. And how do we make good decisions and lead people properly through that? And so I'm uh, very excited to bring to us Dr. J.P. Palu Fry. Uh, and, uh, he is a leading expert in the industry on this and, uh, currently has a New York times bestseller out that he's, um, been a part of and helping people understand just these things. So super excited to bring this to you today. Um, uh, JP, thanks so much for joining us. And, um, as we get started here, why don't you just catch us up a little bit on your history and experience and how you got to where you are now? 
Sure. Thanks, Kyle. It's my pleasure to be here. I love your podcast and I'm excited to be a guest. Um, <clears throat> you know, what got me here? Wow. Uh, do we have two hours? <laughs> and, you know, it's not because I'm full of myself. It's just because, gosh, all of our paths to this point in time is so interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, the long and the short of it is 20 years ago, um, I made a decision to uh, co-found this organization. And, you know, for all of those out there who are kind of thinking, geez, it'd be nice to start my own business. And especially now in the age of, <clears throat> excuse me, Shark Tank, more interest and more thoughts around, boy, is there a business for me? If, if you're out there as a listener thinking about that, you know, and you're feeling anxious about it, I totally get it because I was there. Yeah. And we started the business, you know, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and and it was a hard slog. Um, and, you know, our we fortunately made it to, you know, not go bankrupt. And I love Bill Gates' famous line. He said, you know, most entrepreneurs overestimate where they'll be at revenue at two years and underestimate where, where they will be in revenue in five years, yeah. which really says, you know, you need resilience. And so I've, I've had to require a lot of resilience, both because starting a business is hard, but also because I, you know, I had uh, have ADHD undiagnosed, to be honest. And it wasn't until I was writing this book that you referenced, Performing Under Pressure, that I came to recognize that and, you know, got some help. And, and so it really helped me. But you know, the long and the short of it is we've been at this 20 years and totally passionate about helping people in their more difficult moments be closer to their best. Yeah. And, and that's really kind of our work, mainly with organizations. You know, we work, you know, with a lot of Fortune 500 organizations, U.S. Navy, Army, NASA, you know, some interesting groups, but, um, and, you know, uh, sports teams, uh, NFL, NBA teams, Olympic athletes. So, you know, quite an interesting group of clients. Yeah. And what that has allowed us to do is both, um, so we do a fair amount of research at our organization. We sure. survey 40,000 people a month, but it's allowed us to do both research, but then frontline work to see what's working yeah. and what helps yeah. people in those difficult moments manage their emotions, manage their thinking, be able to have tough conversations and, and engage in the kind of risk that's required if we're going to create a great you know, culture at our organization, if we're going to, you know, be entrepreneur. So, you know, I could go on and on, but really it's kind of been a long, you know, circuitous path, not always so easy. Some years, you know, you wonder, are we going to make payroll this week? And yeah. so it's not been an easy path, but it certainly has been an enjoyable one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and uh, you know, just touching on that. So it's the Institute of Health and Human Potential. And Correct. It's really interesting to me, and I want to dive into this just for a second, this concept of human potential. Um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things out there where we talk about uh, human traits and human personality and sort of the who we are, but there's not necessarily a lot out there about who we can be. The, the potential of human nature. Yeah, yeah, who we can become. I, I, I like that. Um, yeah, I, it, yes, yeah, I think it's somewhat true. Um, and I think the bigger part is that wherever you are at today, in this moment, mm -hmm. no matter the challenges, the suffering that you're experiencing, you know, in your relationships, at work, with your kids, with your spouse or partner, in your families, What's true is that in this moment, you can start again, like right now, you yeah. can start again and you can begin again and you can develop and, and use whatever, you know, you've accumulated as wisdom, but grow and build on that. And, yeah. and so I, I think what you're saying is absolutely right, Kyle. And, and I'll say this, one of my favorite stats of all of our research is that 
high performers are imperfect. They make mistakes, especially under pressure. There's no question yeah. about that. Yeah. But they do one thing really especially well, which is they extract three to five times more information from the same opportunity to learn as an average performer. I'll say that again, because I think it's so important. Yeah. High performers are imperfect, but they extract more. They extract three to five times more information wow. from the same opportunity. So if things aren't going well, they extract more. If things are going well, they extract more in every yeah. relationship, in every setback, in every situation. So I think for all of us listening, that's the key to, uh, you know, to what you're saying, unlocking our human potential is what can you learn? Can you be an aggressive learner? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love what you said there about um, wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, um, uh, you know, however you define yourself now, it can be changed. It can be changed right now and moving forward. And um, I, I had a similar conversation with a client just um, uh, just a few days ago where we were talking about some challenges they were facing, some things happening in the business. And, um, you know, and I shared with them that the key is, you know, we talked about a lot through the course of that meeting. And I said, you're never going to be able to implement everything we talked about. But what's the one thing that you think you can start doing now and put an intentional strategy behind it so that you can look back in six months and say, look at what we've accomplished in this area in the last six months. But if we do that, if we compound that with yeah. the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and we put intentional strategies in place, we can look back in two years and three years and say, look how we've really been able to uh, to shift who we are. And and so the other thing that this happens, you know, where this happens in business, and of course, you know, a lot of our listeners are, um, you know, own, run, lead small businesses. The beauty of a small business is, you're much more agile than you probably think you are even. Um, you know, I know you've had an opportunity to work with some, some uh, huge organizations and some Fortune 100 companies. Um, and, and when they try to make a shift, it's a big shift to turn around. And so they have to be intentional. It can be done, but it does take time. But the beauty of a small business is um, we can make noticeable efforts to shift in a, in a fairly short period of time. So, so as you are out there and you're working with people and you're doing these surveys and studying and you're learning more and more about what's happening in the market, what are some of the, what are some of the most notable kind of challenges that you see um, uh, leaders facing out in the market and in, in trying to conduct business? Right. Um, I, I, I'll answer that, but I want to really piggyback on your, uh, your comment, your point about large versus small businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some companies that we work with that have 400,000 employees. And, you know, can you imagine how do you communicate with that yeah. many? How do you make change happen? Right. It is like a Titanic and it's just yeah. so hard and you're so right about that. And I think for everyone listening who is part of a smaller business, at times it can feel frustrating because we don't have the resources of a big business. Sure. And I share sure. that sometimes. I, I Our team does. I, I know, you know, your clients do as well. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that while we are sometimes resource challenged, boy, we can move things if we are agile, if we're in control. And so, you know, coming back to kind of the challenges that I see leaders facing, and, and again, I think you mentioned around the agile piece, the, the world is changing so fast that we can, we have to be aggressive learners. We have to be able, and it, it comes down to managing ourselves mm -hmm. because as we like to say, all change is personal. Any organization going through change, it's not really about what's going on in the organization. People, you know, organizations don't change, people change. Right. And all change is personal. It affects us at the brain level. It, it affects us of how we see ourselves, how we define ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we are 
when there's a lot of uncertainty, we become more anxious. And so the biggest thing is for people to be, learn some skills to manage themselves, learn to manage their emotions. And I think this is my biggest challenge to everyone listening today. Do you have, have you developed strategies to manage your emotions in the most difficult moments? Because what we know about the brain is that emotions drive behavior. Right. And we kind of, especially as men, we don't really want to admit that, right? We're not very good at admitting that or, right. you know, acknowledging our emotions. And, and in fact, what's, what's actually sad, Kyle, is that when people are facing great change and they feel great emotions, and this is not just men, but men can be a bit more susceptible to this, we, we isolate ourselves. Mm-hmm. We think we don't want to show. And so, but the problem is that that compounds inside ourselves and it becomes a tornado inside ourselves. And it's really more difficult to, to manage. And so I would say to everyone, learn how to manage your emotions more intelligently. That to me is the single biggest key. If any of us want to kind of lead our organizations into the future, I'll give you one great example. Are you open to hearing feedback from your team? Right? Just that alone. There's something called CEO's disease, Mm -hmm. which is the higher you go up in an organization, the less candid feedback you're going to get from people. So you actually kind of become isolated anyway from feedback. And so... For all of those leaders out there of small businesses, you got to go out of your way to tell people, look, I need, I want feedback or else I can't change and get better and help our organization. But it really comes, you know, to answer your question, it comes back to how are we leading ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful statement. And it's... Um you know, I I like, I talk a lot about self-awareness and the need to be self-aware. And um, that certainly leads right into that. Um, But the, the other thing, and this is, uh, this is a statement that I heard you make that I think is really, um, can be really powerful if people think about it. And and it kind of talks about why, um, why would someone want to follow you? And to think about as a leader, what's the impact that we can have on other people? And, and I don't know that, I don't know that, um, uh, especially small business leaders, and I'm not, I'm not meaning to pick on small business leaders, but again, as a small business owner, I mean, we've, you wear in so many hats all the time and, you know, one moment you're looking at payroll and then another moment you're doing a performance improvement plan for somebody for sure. and the next you're working with a client and, you know, you're putting on the happy face that everything's wonderful and amazing. And so being able to balance all of those things out that question that we have to ask ourselves to say, what's the impact that yeah. I can have on others? I mean, you, I know you've, you've uh, kind of broken down into this a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, what does that really mean whenever we get to make this kind of impact on people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that question. You know, why would anyone want to be led by you, yeah. right? For all of us. And I, and I'll tell you what we know from our research is that you can be really effective for the vast majority of the moments in a day, in a week, in a quarter. Um, But when you hit a pressure moment, Mm -hmm. what happens is that there's more cortisol in our brain. Cortisol is a stress hormone and there's many consequences to having cortisol. But one of them is that we remember more of what happens in that moment. That that memory gets seared into our brain in a more profound way. And so here's the thing. We can be really effective a lot of the time, but if in those real pressure moments when we and others around us are feeling pressure, Mm -hmm. we're not managing ourselves. Like it's a real irony. In those moments, we're more more prone to lack self-awareness because under pressure, we get self-referential. We get more worried about ourselves and protecting ourselves. But the irony is that in that same moment, those people are watching us and whatever decision we make, behavior we engage in becomes our leadership reputation reputation in their minds 
Yes. And so it's almost like, and that's why I think your focus on self-awareness is so wise that it is in those moments that if you can get and put the listen, everyone listening, you don't need to be perfect in these moments. In fact, you won't mm-hmm. be perfect, but if yeah. you can be a little bit better than you were last week, last month in that difficult moments to try to stay open to feedback that people might want to give you to admit a mistake. If you make a mistake to go back and say, you're sorry and have some contrition, if that's appropriate, that is what will stick in people's minds. And now people will want to be led by you. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, so true. And, you know, to your point there, you know, if I'm leading a company of 25 employees and in those pressure moments, the the once every week or two that something comes up where I just make that kind of haste decision or haste comment um, and I do that improperly, let's say just just one of those a month is one that that turns someone against me that potentially prompts them to want to leave. And now I have 50% turnover in my organization. Whereas to your point, even just incremental changes and understanding, hey, here's the trigger that I need to be aware of. Like this is, I can feel myself getting stressed. I can feel myself getting into this moment. I need to think about this consciously. How am I going to respond and react to this? You know, if you can, if you can fix just one of those a year, it yes. makes an impact not only on you and your business, but the people that are around you for them to say, for you to go back and apologize or for you to handle something differently or to kind of calm yourself before you go into a situation. You, you know what, Kyle, I think that's so uh, true, um, especially this idea that if we make a mistake, people will actually give us quite a bit of benefit of the doubt. They really yeah. will. Like, cause they make mistakes. Sure. And if we can be, oh, we can really, if we can really own that, mm-hmm. wow, I, it, it, it really does make a big difference, but it does come down to how, how can we develop these skills? And they, they're really skill-based like yeah. emotional intelligence. EI as a skill yeah. is absolutely learnable. It takes time. It takes repetition. It's what we do with athletes. When we, I, you right. know, been to six Olympic games. When I work with Olympic athlete, we don't work for a week or a day. We work for you know months and years. Yeah. And it's the same for everyone here. Like, make it a goal to say, okay, I'm going to develop the skill. It's going to take time, so I have to do a little bit every day. And there are resources yeah. out there, like that are available that can help people. Like we're in the age of learning right now. I mean, even this oh, podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's incredible. The amount of learning is out there yeah. via podcast, via online learning. So mm-hmm. I want to challenge people to go out and be that aggressive learner. Yeah. And here's the beautiful thing about emotional intelligence, as opposed to your standard IQ, emotional intelligence can be developed. It can grow. You can actually, you, you, you know, IQ is fairly set. It's, it's, it's there. Age but 16, the, 17, it becomes concrete. You're right on. Right. But that emotional intelligence, that's something that we can continue to develop over time. Um, and, uh, and by doing that, not only the impact we have on ourselves and how that, how, how our own life gets led, but the impact we have on, you know, our spouse, our kids, yes, coworkers, yes. people around us. Um, that is, that is what I, I think one of the most important things to continue to develop because we can always learn more about our industry. We can learn more about our job. We can, but the impact we can have by really gaining emotional intelligence and understanding how to communicate with and relate and lead and talk to people um, is, um, is, is really, it's really impactful to every aspect of our life. So uh, that to your point, it's, that's exactly right. I mean, just even incremental steps that we take over time can have such a huge impact. And sometimes I think even for people just to see that we're trying to improve, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's just like, okay, I'm not very good at this, but I'm trying. That they see you're trying. Right. That matters so much. Like, yeah. Because here's the thing, people 
when they're under pressure, especially, but we can confuse impact for intent, right? Like somebody Mm -hmm. behaves in a certain way, it impacts us. The way the brain works, we confuse that impact for their intention. And so when you are just trying to be a bit better and they see that, it clarifies your intention in their minds, Mm -hmm. right? And so it almost gets underneath that impact that you might have had, you know, because it was a tough moment and you didn't react so well, but you went back, you said, sorry. And over a few months you said, yeah, I'm going to try and work on empathy or work on listening better on whatever it is. And they see that and they're like, okay, wow. Like they, they get moved by that. So I mean, that's the hopeful message in all of this. Mm -hmm. Like you said, IQ for everyone listening, unless you're under the age of 16, 17, you're done. You're not going to get <laughs> right, anymore. Right. My son turned 16 the other day. I said to him, Wes, you're done. Yeah. You're not going to learn, you know, your IQ is, is now done. But, but, yeah. but the truth is that, that those aren't the difference makers anyway, as you well know. No. You know, IQ is not the difference maker between a highly exceptional leader mm-hmm. or not. It's this level of emotional intelligence, the yeah. learnable skill. Right. Yeah. Well, so as we, you know, you've done a lot of research and and been able to put out some great resources on um, how to perform under pressure. And and so let's dive into this just a little bit. Um, um, This is oftentimes the difference maker between a good leader and a great leader. Uh, I don't want to say we all, but most people can think consciously, make good decisions, relate well, um, whenever things are going okay. Uh, but as soon as that pressure hits and maybe that pressure is internal, just some internal strength, maybe that pressure is, um, external happening from my family or kids, or maybe that pressure is something that's happening right here in this moment because it's a crucial conversation. But when that pressure hits the way that we handle ourselves and the way that we handle those situations, oftentimes is the difference maker between good and great. So what are some keys that you have found through your research and helping people understand how to perform under pressure. Sure. Yeah, boy. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a couple of good takeaways, hopefully, yeah. but, but you know, there, there are other great resources and we'll talk about them at the end, I'm sure. But um, so for people listening, here's what I would say, know what your big three are. Mm. You know, what the hell's that? Oh, excuse my language. You know, what the heck's that? <laughs> yeah. um, well, when we're under pressure, we, What's interesting is that we get so cognitively involved in the story of what's going on in the drama Mm -hmm. that we don't recognize that we're going down a pathway of reaction, of judgment, of impact on others. We don't. Yeah. So the kind of way to figure it out is using our body. And we we co-developed a a great little model with the U.S. Navy around this like 15 years ago. We've used it with many groups since. But the key is to be in our body. By the way, that's why something like mindfulness every day is so important because it gets you more in your body. So you get those early warning signs sooner. So I'll give you an example. Um, I have a big three. And you know, if you're listening, you think of your big three. So the big three are, how does it show up in, my, in me, including in my body, but in me, when I'm starting to hijack, when I'm starting to react and go down that pathway of impact. Right. Well, I can tell you, you know, for me, it's, I feel heat in my forehead. I don't feel butterflies in my belly. And some of my athletes do. I don't have my shoulders come. I don't get my jaw tight. These are all potential, mm-hmm. but that's not what I feel. I feel heat in my forehead. So that's number one. Number two, I feel a sense of real certainty that I'm right and they're wrong. And that makes sense because I've closed down my kind of ability to see other variables. That's what cortisol does to our brain. It gets us very focused on something Mm -hmm. that just to survive. So we see, we miss 
other people's intention. We can only see their impact, right? right? That's number two. So for me, it's heat, certainty. And the third one is urgency. Right now, right? I've got to act right now. I've got to say this in that meeting. I got to send this email right now. So for me, whenever I get this feeling inside of heat, certainty, and urgency, those are my big three. It says, okay, JP, there might be more cortisol in your system right now. You might be making, you might be going down that pathway of impact. Right. And, and now, and that is the cue. And so for everyone listening, think of your big three and make sure one of them is physical, right? Yeah. For me, it's the heat. So as soon as I feel hot, I tune into, am I feeling really certain? I'm really, I got to, okay, step back. We know cortisol has a half-life of 17, 18 minutes. If we can wait 17 or 18 minutes, it means we're going to get our mind back. We can kind of disengage to re-engage more powerfully. And look, sometimes we have to act in the moment. We have the only information we have and we have to act. Okay, fine. Do your best. But way kind of more than people think um, we have, or, you know, far, how do I say this? It's like far less frequent that we have to act in that moment. We actually can take 18 minutes. On our team, we talk about, you know, like someone's a bit triggered, let's take yeah. an 18 minute break. We really do. That's the language you use. And, and all of a sudden, so we can come back and we can kind of calm and we can sit right. there. Okay, now I'm really going to try and listen to Kyle. I, I'm going to, you know, like you had some impact on me, but I'm really going to try and listen to your intention right now. Right. Like something as simple as that. So for all listeners, think of your big three. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Another one is, you know, practice 10 minutes of mindfulness a day. Go and sit and breathe check in. There's so many apps, so many great, uh, you know, places you can do this, oh, yeah. but you do those two things so that when it, which is, you know, doing mindfulness, like going to the gym, you, it's like working out your brain so that when you're in that moment of high pressure, you can be more aware, your point self-awareness, you can understand your impact and you can kind of go down that other pathway of response versus react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. That that big three is uh, that's such a good one. You know, as you're talking about that, I I I'd never thought about it from that perspective. But I know physically, one of the things that I do in that moment is I kind of I almost kind of lean into attack mode. Right. So, you know, I tend to sort of physically bunch up and lean in, like waiting for my moment. You know, yes. this is going to be my time to 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 attack verbally. Yeah, that you know that's great awareness, Kyle. And then. I would, you know, for all the listeners, I'm going to ask you a question about Kyle's default behavior when that happens. What do you think the impact that has on the people around him? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the thing is, is that you are now at least self-aware to know that, Kyle. So right. many people don't realize that when they lean in, when they go quiet, other people are like, oh, Kyle's mad at me, or oh, I'm in trouble, right. or they go into all those off flies in their mind. And so yeah. it's just this incredible, like, all these circles intertwining of someone being up triggered, impacting someone else. Now they get kind of affected. Yeah. Emotions are infected, infectious. And so, you know, yeah. good for you to know that. I mean, yeah. and I think that's it. What are your big three? What are your default behaviors? Mm-hmm. How do you show up in your most difficult moments? And if you can, you know, even as a leader for everyone out there, go to your team as you're driving, hopefully they're, you know, driving to work mm-hmm. to pull, pull your team together. You're, you know, 15 or 20 people, big or smaller company and pull them in and say, look, I just learned this thing about a big three. Here's what happens. Have them, each person think of their big three, share it with the person beside them. And then you as a leader say, look, sometimes when I'm under pressure, here are my big three, but here's how I sometimes show up. Maybe right. I bunch up, maybe I get close, like whatever it is. Yeah. And when you see that, know that it's, don't personalize it to you. It's just me right. <laughs> triggered right. and me trying to manage myself. Like even this like 20 minute little conversation that you can have today with your team yeah. can make all the difference. Yeah. 
And uh, something else that I want to hit on, I, I think I don't want people to miss out on the statement that you're making here when you talk about impact versus intention. Those that, that's that's big, and I think there's a lot to unpack in that. But that that concept and understanding the impact that they're having on you, as opposed to their intention, right? That is a huge statement right there because. Oftentimes, we, um, you know, once we get in that mode, once we get in that that pressure situation, we are able to sort of tunnel vision and tune out everything else, and not think about the intention that someone has. That's um, and and they may not, if they don't know your big three, especially, they may not know that you're starting to get on edge. They may not know that you're starting to feel this pressure. And so their intentions may be amazing and what they're trying to present, but then you've tuned that out because all you can focus on is the impact they've had on you. So that's, that's a really big statement there that I want people to take away is understanding the impact versus the intention. Yeah. And I'll say this again, for all the leaders out there, um, remember other people will confuse impact for intent. They'll confuse your impact for your intention. So right. As a leader, we know we need to clarify, clarify, clarify our intention. Yes. I can't tell you the number of times where, you know, in my career, I used to be president of our company. Now we have someone who's kind of running things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I'm not the best leader, like in a sense, I'm not like, or maybe I'm not the best manager. I'm not very good at kind of operations mm -hmm. and, and kind of button down execution. That's, I'm more ideas, right? Yeah. yeah. Like communicating to maybe ideas, but I'm not really. So it's really interesting is, I'd have all these good intentions and because maybe I didn't follow through or I just, whatever it was, people maybe didn't feel valued by me. And so I had to really stop and go, okay, how am I coming across what you talked about earlier? And I got to understand my intention versus my impact. And more than anything, even though it sometimes felt, and it really does still today, artificial for me to clarify my intention to people. Like it does. I feel like, well, you know me, you know, I love you. Right. You know? but, right. But no, you've got to clarify clarify, clarify your intention. You got to catch people doing things right. You got to tell people, you know, you, you value them. Like we, like, and I honestly, I thought that was so artificial and I teach this stuff and it's not. So for everyone out there, you know, clarify your intention, find ways to really communicate how appreciative you are of everyone's effort. Yes. People don't leave organizations. People leave their managers. People yes. leave the person they report yeah. to. And in a small business, come back to your earlier point, Kyle, you know, when we don't have, you know, 400,000 employees, we can have a big impact on keeping good people. So we don't have that 50% turnover that you talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. So, it's all it's all in our hands. That's the great news here. Yes, yeah, and you know one of the, so one of the things that I uh, really preach on in in leadership development is recognition. That's sort of my 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 last of the four principles that I talk about a lot is that recognition piece. And one of the um, <clears throat> one of the mistakes uh, that a lot of people make when it comes to that recognition piece is they think recognition only happens when someone goes above and beyond. Right. And in reality, the way that I try to teach that is recognition is to develop repeatable behaviors. Yes. You recognize a job well done. Sometimes it's okay to recognize status quo. If you have someone that has shown up late the last three days and they show up on time today, it's okay to recognize they showed up on time because the in the intent of that is to create repeatable behaviors and let them right. know this is the behavior we'd like you to continue to repeat. And so um, uh, to your point there, something that that is really good to make sure we're doing with people is recognizing even just the basics, even just yeah, sort of those, those, those basic few things that we say, you just need, like, this is something you've got to do just to keep a job. 
Let's make sure we're recognizing those things so that they know these are the behaviors that you want to see in them. Because if not, people will create their own truth and they'll figure out what they think they need to be doing, which could be completely off track with where you're trying to take them. Yeah, I, I, I like that point. And especially that I think we miss sometimes that people are their own worst enemies, their own worst critics. I mean, we are to ourselves, so we should get this, but we don't. We miss this completely. And so, you know, for us to recognize that it's not, it's not, well, you know what? I think it's actually universal, but it's not like everyone's flawed. That's not my point. But I think a lot of us walk around feeling a bit less than, feeling like, you know, we're, we're not doing as well as we could or should. And so when someone actually notices that we do something well, all of yeah. a sudden we feel great. It lifts right. us up and it's not, being, and it's got to be genuine. It can't be disingenuous. Yes. But I think because people are, if, if you, if you look at all your people, think about you're driving to work right now. Think of your whole team. Imagine that they are far worse a critic of themselves than you are. Yeah. And if that's true, that they're their worst critic, wouldn't you want to do something as an antidote? Like when I work with, you know, athletes of any sort, I'm very clear that this person might be, you know, an MVP or a coach of the year. And I've worked with both, you know, groups and, Mm -hmm. and they are full of doubt. They are their worst critic. They really are. And yet what they do is they, they have some skills. They have, so they built, develop some tools to kind of manage themselves. Yeah. Right to kind of talk themselves off the ledge. So just imagine these are the world class performers, and they right. do at times feel this way. So as you look at your team, know that they probably are my in some ways they're worse critics. So have a bit of heart. You know, we talk about having two, kind of two real keys: heart and edge as a leader. Mm-hmm. Heart is that ability to have compassion, empathy, to really understand from the other side of the bridge what someone's going through. But, but it doesn't stop there. We also have to have edge. We have to be able to deliver difficult news. We have to be tough and hold mm-hmm. people to a high standard. But yeah. you can do both. And people yeah. want both. They really do. They want to be challenged, they but they also want to be understood. Yeah, yeah. I like that hard and edge. The way that I refer to that exact same concept is I talk about you have to be direct and empathetic and figure out the balance right. between the two. It's the sure. same. It, it's exactly what it is. We have to find that balance because there are certain moments that would require a little more empathy. And there are certain moments that we have to be a little more direct, but that is part of kind of all encompassing of what we're talking about is understanding yourself and understanding others, understanding the way that you are are impacting others um, and understanding how you are communicating in a way that they're going to be able to understand it. So I I love that, that heart and edge. I love, you know, that, that, uh, that analogy. I think that's perfect. And, and understanding there has to be a balance here in, um, in what we're doing as leaders to truly have a great impact on people in a way that they walk away and say, now that was someone I enjoyed being around and working with. That's someone that I want to follow. And that's, that's ultimately the goal whenever we're in these situations. When we take responsibility for the livelihood of people in our business, um, we want to create an environment that they want to follow us, that's it. not that yeah. they have to because it's a job. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, people, okay, maybe a few percent because of many reasons, you know, don't have a good intention for whatever reason. But I'm really convinced in all of our research that, you know, the vast majority of people we engage with, they have a good intention. They want to do a good job. They want, they want to be valued. They want to be part of a team that's doing exciting things. They, they, they want it to be more than a job and they, 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 they want everything to work out. So just keep that in mind, right? Assume, assume a positive intention in your people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's so funny, isn't it? It's like simple, but boy, it's not easy when we're under <laughs> pressure. <laughs> right. And that that's the key. It's that it's those all those forces that are impacting us all the time that uh, that it's easy to get off track. And so to your point, you're listening to this heading into work today. Right now, you're thinking of all the things that, you, that you're going to do today and you're going to recognize this and you're going to pay attention here and you're going to handle these situations. And the moment you walk through the door, all of that could get derailed because of a situation that's happening. And so that's where that awareness has to come in to understand, okay, all of these things are happening, but I've got to be intentional with how I'm leading and impacting those around me. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to have the awareness to understand the way that that comes across. Um, well, JP, this is, this is amazing. This is great, great information. And I know we unpacked and unfolded a lot of things here and barely scratched the surface, but, um, Tell us, how can we learn more about what you are doing out there? How can we learn more about uh, your book and the resources that you have available? Sure. Um, I think the best place to go is to our website, which is IHHP.com. So Institute for Health and Human Potential, but it's IHHP.com. And, you know, probably the best resources that would be available would be, we have a live online open program. We call it LOOP, L-O-O-P, Live Online Open Program, which is available to anyone with, you know, the ability to get on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So around the world, because we've really digitally transformed our learning. So you can sign up for a course that's kind of, uh, it's over the course of one week. It's three modules of two hours where it's live facilitated by a facilitator, you know, a live human being with a group. And, you know, they break out rooms and it's fantastic way to learn exactly what we talked about today, but in more depth. So that, that would be the first thing I would suggest. And, you know, um, if you're a leader of an organization, you know, get a bunch of your people to take this and, you know, contact us and get a bulk discount, right? Like we're, we're really, we're really motivated to get this out to the world. So, you know, that would be an obvious one. I have a podcast that's coming out. Actually, it's going to be launched this fall, which is all around kind of doing, you know, the edge part of stuff, the last 8%, what we call, it's going to be called the last 8% podcast, but it's like those difficult conversations we sometimes avoid. And so it's, it's a podcast all about how can we do the difficult stuff, almost the science of doing what's difficult and hopefully really inspiring people people to, you know, like what we talked about today, take that risk, you know, get out of the harbor and, you know, where it's safe, where it's maybe not safe, but where there's, you know, reward, you know, so, so I would say, you know, look for the last 8% podcast that'll come out this fall, go to the website, IHHP.com. The live online course, I think is, you know, there's so much else there, assessment, a whole bunch of other things, but I'll just say, stick with that because it's a pretty, you know, inexpensive way really to get this material in a really powerful way. And of course, I mean, if people want to go and buy my book, that's quite all right. It's on Amazon and everywhere else. It's called Performing Under Pressure. Um, So those are probably the best resources. Good, good. Yeah. And that's one thing uh, we didn't dive into today was uh, the last 8%. That's something I'd I'd love to dive into another time because I think there's some incredibly valuable information in that. And um, so, well, thank you so much for, uh, thank you for the information you're putting out. Thank you for for doing this research and and getting this information, but then most importantly, putting it out there for people to understand how they can develop, how they can get better and how we can um, uh, really reach our full potential and have such a positive and amazing impact on those around us as well whenever we've we've been called to to lead these people. So uh, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this wonderful information with us. Pleasure is all mine, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. 
For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Yeah.